0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times-only sports podcast discussing all the sports across Cape Cod. I'm Steve DeGerion. Wow. What's Great start name? already. My name is Steve <laughs> DeGerion alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, it really is hard to believe that the, the football regular season is in its last week, entering its last week. Really, just seemed like we just got started, but you know, still plenty of football to be
1: played. Absolutely. And this week, we have three league championships, which is pretty cool. You know, we have... Falmouth is at Nosset at 7 p.m. That's the Atlantic Coast League Championship. Barnstable is at Dartmouth at 7 p.m. on Friday. That's the Old Colony League Championship. And then on Saturday, Upper Cape uh, faces off against um, Old Colony, and that is the Mayflower Athletic Conference Vogue Small. I believe that's the division they're in uh, uh, championship as well. So we have three big league games. We've got some other matchups between teams that have already won league championships. We've got a huge D7 show rematch of the last year's state semifinals. So we've got some really good uh, football games to look forward to this weekend, I think.
0: Yeah, I know we wanted to start with Falmouth, Falmouth and Nosset, which, you know, we might have spoke a little too soon when we uh, thought that, you know, D.Y. Falmouth would determine the ACL championship right. because this one has some league implications as well. Yeah. You know, Nasset has really put together a nice little stretch here. They play really physically, arguably, uh, maybe short of Falmouth just as physically as anybody else we've seen this season. Um... But, you know, Friday night at Nosset, that's not going to be an easy game for Falmouth. You know, again, Nosset has played a lot of these teams close to this year, and they could match, you know, the run game, physicality, you know, body-on-body guys. Um, We saw Will Van Vleck have a couple great weeks running the football, Mm -hmm. albeit it was against teams like Wareham Sandwich, who obviously are not having a lot of success this year. But he's really come onto the scene and, and can put the ball on the ground really well with Miles Perry, for example. So, I mean, Nosset has some options here. Bobby Joy, we saw through a couple touchdown passes mm-hmm. last week. So, that offense is starting to get into gear. And if they have to match Falmouth point for point, I think they can hang in there for a little while.
1: For a little while. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, and we've talked about Mac Labarge. We've talked about, I think, pro, Nosset probably has the best kicker on the Cape and Robbie Wright. I just don't know if I think they can hang with Falmouth's just their strength for long enough to to actually have a chance to win this game. And if they win it, they would tie uh, Falmouth for the Atlantic Coast League title. Falmouth has already clinched a share of it. They win it outright with this one. They don't they don't have any league losses yet. Nosset only has one. And because of Marshfield beating D.Y. last week, everybody else has at least two. But we saw Kyle Connolly play really well against Hanover. That's another D5 South team that they could face in the playoffs. You know, Connolly had 187 rushing yards, five touchdowns. We've seen Jake Murphy have equally dominant games. Kyle Cardoza is incredibly hard to stop, whether he's rushing the passer or going deep. I really liked what I've seen from Aiden Washington, Trevor Nunes, Marcus Gonzales. I just don't know if Nossett has quite enough weapons to really be able to hang with Falmouth for the full 44 minute game.
0: Right. And the game is in Nossett and on turf. You do have to mention that. A team that has as much speed as Falmouth just gets yeah. even faster on the turf. So you're right in that regard. But And for Falmouth, this is definitely an advantage. You know, As of last week's power rankings, we haven't gotten this week's yet. Falmouth was in fourth in Division 5 South. So they actually go up and play a Division 4 team mm-hmm. here. So they're going to get points no matter what happens. Yeah. And that's actually going to help them in the power ratings. Um, they were stacked behind Canton at number three, Holliston at two, and Situate, who was in the finals last year with DY at mm-hmm. number one. Um, only lost this year is to Duxbury and obviously in a higher division. Halston's going to finish off the season at Ashland, which is a division below them, and then Canton plays North Attleboro, which is a division above. So, Falmouth wins this game. There's a good chance they could move maybe into that two spot, maybe even the one if something really weird happens with situate, mm-hmm. um, this, this coming week. So, definitely, there's a lot at stake for Falmouth beyond just quinting the league title would be, you know, getting into that position and, and assuring that you'd have home field for as long as possible throughout the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. You know, and for Nossett, this is a position they haven't been in too, you know, all too recently. Twenty fourteen was the last year that they were able to beat Falmouth, so that's before anybody on this team was even a freshman. You know, they have not been competitive in the ACL for a few years now. It's always been Falmouth Marshfield or DY winning it. Mm-hmm but this has been a really good re, you know resounding year for it. Bruce Strunk i think with this extra year to really put his system in place has got these kids buying in and confident in themselves in a way that maybe they weren't even last year so this is a good opportunity to get tested to you know they're i'm pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs either way which is and right. imp- pretty good for them cuz that would be two years in a row
0: right and the big question surrounding Nosset, you know they started last week in fifth place in division 4 south it looks like if they lose this game, yes, they'd still get in, but they very unlikely they'd have a home yeah. game. So you have to hit the road and potentially play a team like, you know, like Dighton, Rehoboth, or, or Milton, um, depending on how far they if they if they did fall. So you know we'll see what happens. You know again, there's still there's still a lot of configuration that's going to be happening Friday night and a lot of scoreboard watching for some of these teams to find out what's going to happen. Absolutely, we're, we really have no clue until about a week or you know. Maybe eight days from now.
1: Yeah, basically. When the come out, <laughs> you know, turning over to the OCL. Barnstable is at Dartmouth at seven p.m. Barnstable, if they win this game, they win the OCL. It'd be their first since 2013, which was the last time they beat Dartmouth. If Dartmouth wins it, all three teams would go one and one in league play. I'm not sure if they would give all three a league title or nobody would win it because um, <laughs> I don't know how you give literally every team the same championship. But maybe that's what they'll wind up doing. I feel like that's uh, happened
0: before. Probably, <laughs> I mean,
1: when you're only playing two league games, right. I can't imagine it's never happened before that uh, you know all the teams just go one and one. Right. Um, you know, this is the last year for the OCL. Barnstable's going to join a higher tier of the Cape and Islands League next year, so you know they'd love to kind of wrap the OCL with their with their name on the last trophy. Um, you know, I was at the Barnstable's home game against Bridgewater-Raynham last week. That was a really good win for them, even if. Got a little bit, you know, dicey right there in the last minute or so. Huge game, obviously, for uh, Brian Fry. We, you know, we've talked about him before. He had 155 rushing yards and three touchdowns. We're kind of starting to really see the who the leaders are and who the central pieces are, both, I think, on the offensive and defensive side with Barnstable. You know, there's Fry, there's the quarterback, Matt Peter Kuski, who had 157 yards, a touchdown pass, a touch or a touchdown run. Obviously, Connor Baldassaro is Peter Kusky's best receiver. He's the guy that they can go to downfield who can make acrobatic plays, who can catch the ball while running with his arms outstretched, which was how he scored that big touchdown uh, against uh, B.R. They've got Jadaro France, who I think is a little bit more of a speedback than like the kind of powerback Brian Fry is. He wasn't consistent, I thought, against Bridgewater Rainham. But I think he's going against a Dartmouth defense that's not as tough as Br's is, so mm. could see a good game from him as well. Maybe a chance to balance out the two different the ways they attack with the run game. Uh, and then on the defensive side, you've got Corey Wardwell and Colby Burke. You know, these are the guys who are kind of leading that defensive Matt stu- effort. Matt Fredo, too. Yeah, you know, Matt Fredo. Of Turner, course, Turner has a great mm-hmm.
0: season, so. I mean, I look at this game again, I, and I said it last week. Barnesville gets over this hump with BR. I think they should have no problem beating Dartmouth. You know, save for something catastrophic, you no know, knock on wood for their right. sake happening at practice this week. Um, I mean, Dartmouth has has had to battle teams like Durfee and New Bedford a lot more closely. Absolutely. And you know, Barnesville yeah, albeit they just beat New Bedford three nothing, but right. again, they're battle tested, and, and I think at this point. Some of they can correct a lot of those mistakes that they made in those games that they won. Mm-hmm. And and again, you saw it came right down to that last drive. You've seen that in wins this year against New Bedford, against BR, and then against DY in the season opener. Yeah. You know? And even in week two against Acton Boxborough, Barnstable was in that game for a while. So, you know, I, again this is a team that, you know, they've had to play from behind at times, but they've also had to make big stops in key situations. And we talked about last year, you know, Barnstable going to King Philip and only losing by a pair of scores. Right this team knows how to hang in there even when you know the odds look like they're stacked against them
1: i think this team is playing with a lot of confidence yeah. and i think that's what's part of it you know they turned the ball over at i think their own like 45 real late in the fourth quarter last week and it looked like br who had moved the ball very quickly in its previous drive and scored a touchdown was going to have a pretty good chance to at least contest for a touchdown that would have tied the game and with an right. extra point won it they hung in there they defended back-to-back passes in the end zone cleanly you know, to end the game. In previous years, I don't know that Barnstable's players would have been able to, to have the confidence in themselves to do that. But this year, this team really believes it can win these games. Right. It can play a full four quarters of effort, uh, and that's pretty cool to see. Uh, on Dartmouth's side, the the guy who could hurt them the most, I think is probably Dylan Pacheco, who had 70 yards last week against New Bedford, um, which New Bedford beat them. You maybe need to watch out for Nolan Ellis and William Smith, too. Uh, but I think if they can stop Pacheco and the run the run game can really hold, I think they'll be fine against uh, the Indians for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, moving on, you know, a little down the line, I don't know if you want to talk about the third. Uh, yeah, let's week, go to that one yeah. and then back up to the other matches. Sure thing. So Saturday, the only Saturday game on the Cape will be Old Colony at Upper Cape. You know, Upper Cape got back on track uh, this this week with a dominating 41 nothing win over Blue Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have a tough test against four and two Old Colony, you know. And the Rams, I like, really need a win here. If they want any chance of hosting a Division right. Eight playoff game. Otherwise, it might be looking like they might be heading to St. John Paul too, which ironically might be right down the road at Mass Maritime. <laughs> <laughs> From, from a travel standpoint, that's good. From a match perspective, yeah. it's not. But there are some a team like West Bridgewater. That but means
1: you'll probably get a lot of fans. Yeah,
0: but the good news is the Rams are home for this one, and they've gotten some really good performances. Obviously, Desire Salim, moves mm-hmm. in the past, but Cameron Glover really becoming Absolutely. that kind of, you know, guy who can make plays really in both phases of the game. You know, He has good hands. He can catch the ball as well um, coming out of the backfield, And Drew Brightman, we've mentioned, too, is a yep. great wide receiver. So all these weapons that Thomas Sign has done a good job running the offense. For sure. Um yeah, I, I mean, again, these guys are these guys are playmakers, and I think that if the offense can get clicking, that that they can win this game because it's a low-scoring game. I, I I don't see Upper Cape's chances of being good in this one.
1: I I would agree with that. I mean, Old Colony, so Upper Cape has already won the Mac, uh, the VOC Small title, they've or a share of it. They've got no league losses. Old Colony has won because of Cape Tech's kind of upset. So if Old Colony wins this, the two would share the title. If Upper Cape wins it, they'd win it outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Cougars, the guys you got to watch out for, Kyle Schultz, uh, he threw for 112 yards uh, in Week 6 against Bristol Plymouth, which was a loss. Uh, Matt Bumpus is probably their best receiver. He had five receptions for 89 yards. Um, you had Philip Proctor running for 44 yards. Proctor and Daniel Lawrence are good at, returning, at recovering turnovers. They each had a fumble recovery last year. So those are the guys that uh, they need to stop. You know, Bristol Plymouth was able to uh, – keep down Old Colony pretty effectively. So if Upper Cape can somehow match that, they got a real shot to win this one. But I agree that it's probably going to come down to guys like Salim and Glover doing what, what they've been doing most of the season.
0: But certainly a nice turnaround for Upper Cape. You know, they they took their licks in, in week one against Bourne. And then obviously coming off of last year where they struggled you know, people forget it wasn't that long ago where Upper Cape was coming off a Boat Bowl title.
1: I yeah, that was really, 2016, yeah, and was then two years basically yeah. the entire team graduated. Right, I mean, They lost, I think, 22 seniors, which is right. everybody.
0: Now, and, and as we've come to find out, you know, Division 8 has a really a, a uh, List of haves and have-nots. You know, there's a large gap in between the teams that are really good and haven't been so good. So
1: I think D seven is. You could probably say the same. And it's funny
0: that Upper keep might be the exception because I feel like they have that middle ground right. somewhere. But um, again, good turnaround either way. Certainly an improvement from last year.
1: In terms of the non-league championships, I think the biggest game we both agree, or or at least the one that may be the most predictive of what's to come, is match Mer- uh, Mashpee at Saint Mary's. That's Friday at seven p.m. at Manning Field in Lynn. That's a rematch of last year's Division Seven state semifinals. Obviously, Devon Ford led the Falcons to a win in that game, and then they went on to uh, beat Blackstone Valley. Vall- yeah, yep. Uh, in in the uh, champion in the championship for their third title. So you know, P is undefeated. They are number one in D Seven South. Uh, St. Mary's is third in uh, D Seven North. So again, this could be a game. A, to a game we could see a rematch of later you know in late november uh you know matchy you were at that game against hall they kind of put that one away pretty quickly which i'm sure is what yeah. they wanted to do i
0: mean the number that jumps out to me when i went back and tallied it all up i mean they ran 15 plays on offense and scored 34 points and i mean it was even it was even i mean Honestly, it was three offensive plays, you know, if you're not including the two-point conversions and the kickoffs, right. I mean, three offensive plays, they had 14 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were uber-efficient in this game, obviously taking the opening kickoff back by the one-four right. will help that. But, I mean, they did what they had to do. They took care of business. They got their starters out of the game, got their junior varsity guys a lot of experience, and, you know, Hull left their offense in there, which is the reason why they scored 22 points, but it was all against Mashpee's backups. Right. Point aside, you know, Mashby looked better than that, really, and it, it really is incredible how, how this run keeps going. 26 straight wins, it's halfway to the state record set by Acton-Boxborough in mm-hmm. 2005, uh, 2005 was a 52nd straight right. win, but, you know, just the ability to spread the ball around, and on special team, which is something that, talking to Matt Treveria after the game, said he's been okay, been a little lackluster, but... Cam Kurgo and Devon yeah. Ford. Well, Devon Ford had two kickoff returns in that game. Cam Kurgo had one the week before. So that's three kickoff returns in two games. Mm-hmm. That's a promising sign when you can, again, keep your offense off the field for a little bit and let your special teams, let your playmakers, uh, get you some points there.
1: Definitely. And it's specifically, I think it's good for Kergo because he is really fast and athletic and agile. Right. But because they have Ford, they always find have to find ways to like take advantage of kergo because they don't want to waste the talents that he has but ford is still their you know their offensive dynamo he's what makes that offense go so if they can get the special teams going that is definitely a way to get kergo active especially because teams don't want to kick to devon ford because he's right. he's got as good a chance of playing being a punt returner and right college as he does of being a running back, I think. Maybe even a better chance than he could be some kind of uh, return guy.
0: And make no mistake in this game, Ford and company, you know, they're not looking past this game into the playoffs. They want another undefeated season. Oh, yeah. Because in years past, you know, people forget, too, that even though they've won three straight, last year was the only of the three where they went undefeated. Yeah. And they have no intention of losing and breaking that streak because if they win out here, I believe that put them on, what, 31 straight wins? Now, again, you'd have three... something along those lines. Yeah. You have over 30 wins.
1: They've se- they've got se- conceivably seven more games to play, I think. This one three south states MS state finals in Thanksgiving.
0: Right. Oh, that's right. So yeah. People already forget about Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, again, you know, Mashby, even with numbers, I mean, it is incredible how, you know, basically three or so players mm-hmm. can turn that <laughs> turn that around with, you know, Ford Gonzales and Kergo, all guys who have
1: you know, the next-level talent. Definitely, and hopefully they'll all have gotten some rest after yeah. uh, after this game. With St. Mary's, the guy that I uh, probably need to be the most concerned about is Jared uh, Echeverria. I think he had two touchdowns last week uh, for the Spartans. You also, Derek O'Leary, threw a score to Any uh, Falai. So those are kind of... I hope I pronounced that yeah. last name correctly. <laughs> um, th- those are probably the biggest names that they got to be weary of. Now, I will say... St. Mary's lost last week to Archbishop Williams. Archbishop Williams is a D7 South team that is on the outside looking in in terms of getting into the playoffs. So I don't know what exactly you make of that, but it could be that because of St. Mary's record we, against teams that Mashby doesn't play, we think that this is going to be the biggest challenge Mashby faces. That is certainly possible. It could also be that The South teams that Mashpee might face, like Abington and Cohasset in the playoffs, those are the ones who are really going to challenge them. And if they can win the South, whoever they face in the state semis and the state finals might turn out to be not as strong.
0: Right, but they're certainly not looking at it that way. Another implication, though, is too, I mean, even though it doesn't count towards the division... Mashpee still wants the entire division seven south coming through oh, Michael Limorerne Stadium without a doubt they haven't lost there since September I think it was September eighteenth twenty fifteen. that was against Falmouth mm-hmm. I didn't even go back and look the last time they lost to a fellow division opponent, so it's been a long time right. since they've lost at that stadium and if teams have to come through Mashpee, it's going to be a long it's going to be a long road and certainly not easy.
1: Definitely. It's also hard to figure that out because the divisions expanded from six to eight. So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> a, a likely, oppo- but yeah, again, um, definitely Mashby wants to hold that undefeated record and yep. completely make sure that they have that number one seed.
1: We'll go through the other matchups real quickly. Those are the big games we wanted to preview. Uh, Nantucket is at Southeastern on Friday. That's an early game. That's a three 30 PM game. Uh, The thing that I find most interesting about this is that uh, this is a battle of Mayflower division champions. The Hawks won the vocational large title. The Whalers won the comprehensive division. So nice matchup there. I think, I don't know who who we think is going to win, but this game does not have the same implications that some of the other games Nantucket has played, but they've definitely looked a lot better since Devontae Usher came back.
0: Right. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, uh, Yeah, Upper Cape, I think, Be Southeastern in Week 2, right? Is that the same team? Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, that sounds right. It's definitely the same team.
0: I'm going to be honest here. I mean, look, if Upper Cape can handle Southeastern, I think Nantucket can handle them, no problem. I think they have a lot more playmakers, a lot more speed guys, and we've looked at Devontae Usher, had an outstanding week, an 87-yard touchdown run, Mm -hmm. plus um, quite a few good punt returns, too, and we just came off mentioning special teams. If, you know, Usher's back there returning kicks and putting Nantucket in, in a short field positions, Yeah. That's all the better for the Whalers. Definitely, um, Victor Gambaroni's found a really tough, hard runner as well. Mm-hmm. You know, can get you those chunk yardages, but also can break off those big runs once in a while. And Malik Bowden, you know, going under center—that's not their regular starting quarterback. Darian Duarte out for the season with a knee injury. Yep. So Bowden's going to have to lead the the Whalers the rest of the way. And if he keeps up what he's been doing the next few weeks, you know, I think the big question for Nantucket is: Can they get over that playoff hump? Because right. The last two years, they've had home playoff games, but. Mm-hmm haven't been able to win. So Exactly. We'll even see if they get a home game. If they win this one, they're putting themselves in a good position for it. It's just this... I'm, I'm circling all these teams at Division 7 South because it's amazing this top eight right here. You have yep. Mashby, Case, Southeastern, Bourne, Nantucket, Cohasset, Abington, Seekonk. You know, again, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that Mashby might be number one there. Right. But after that... I mean, you can scramble all those teams up and put them in really any order you want. Maybe mm-hmm. put Abington at two because they've given Mashby the closest competition. But that's,
1: that's what I would say. That's
0: a very stacked Division 7 South right yeah. there. And that's a lot of talent. So certainly there's no givens. But again, all the more reason why I think Dan Tucker would want a home game. Mm-hmm. Much less travel, obviously. It'd be a different... Uh, Force teams to take the ferry. Of which course. Which can always th-
1: throw them off a little yeah. bit. Um, another team that... That still has a shot, I, a real shot, I think, at the playoffs is Cape Tech at Martha's Vineyard at 6 p.m. Cape Tech is right on the bubble of that eighth uh, D7 South spot. That's a pretty big uh, carrot to tangle in front of, for guys like Archer Estenville, Trevor Castilius. You know, if Cape Tech can win it, it might be enough. I all they got, but they got to shut down Ivan Shepard and Tristan Scheller uh, for the Vineyarders who. I think the playoffs are kind of a little bit beyond what what they can get at this point, so they'll be looking to just beat some non-playoff teams in the last few weeks and at least have a a better finish to the season than last year.
0: Well, the good news for Cape Cod Tech is really the only other team on that bubble in Division Eight South mm-hmm. looks like Millis, which is obviously you know <laughs> multi-time defending champion. Right. Obviously, they've taken a bit of a step back this year, but again, um, you know the holes behind them. Blue Hills, a team that Cape Tech beat. I think that basically they win therein. in. Depends how Upper Cape does as well. I'm right. sure they'd want them to lose, which gives them a better chance to slide up a little bit, even mm-hmm. though Upper Cape owns the head-to-head right. matchup. So, again, there's a lot of scoreboard watching, but, again, you've got to handle this game. And, honestly, I think Martha's going to do for a win here. You know, haven't won since the opener. Yep. I think they've played really well in certain times this year. Just they not just, consistently. They haven't put four quarters together, and yeah. Coach Don Herman's told that to us. They need to put together a full fourth-quarter game I think against Cape Tech that gives them a good opportunity. Guys like Tristan Scheller, I think, are really due for for a big breakout game.
1: I agree. Cape Tech, I think, their biggest issue has been penalties. I think penalties have hurt a lot of their drives, have cost them some touchdowns, and if they can play cleaner, they got a real shot to win this one. Uh, we'll turn it over. Sandwich at DY. Turns out not a lot to say about this game. i d y DY, you know that that loss to Marshfield kind of took them out of contention for the ACL. Sandwich would love their first win, but I don't really see it happening this year. And D.Y. kind of needs this one to make sure they can get back to the playoffs and at least have a chance to defend their state championship.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. Basically, D.Y. is simple. You win, you're in. And if you don't, I think you're still in, but you're really not putting yourself in a good position because having to go... to. I mean, maybe you get a little bit of juice if Fowler sneaks into the number one spot and they get a rematch in another shot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's likely. I think it's more likely that D.Y. would have to head somewhere north like Holliston or maybe even right. Canton, which, again, it's not going to be an easy matchup. But, you know, there's always kind of that intimidation factor. You know, Paul Funk generally speaking, over the years, has his teams ready for anything. Sure. So, And there's certainly, you know, Peyton Doyle didn't go anywhere. They yep. still have plenty of talent. Still have Jeffrey that offense. Jameel,
1: still have Darian Thompson, so, Juan I mean, Phillips. That's
0: a team that you don't want to match up with in the first round because mm-hmm. you'd definitely be upset prone. But DY has really struggled on the road this year, and it's really hard to figure out why exactly that's happened. Um, I, th- I still think luck. it's
1: it's the lack of a really complementary running game to to mm-hmm. their passing abilities. Payne Doyle can run but they do not have that really good running back to balance well, out the carries. Well, Thompson's
0: shown flashes this year. He's shown just flashes, flashes of it. Hasn't and, been and he's very quick, right.
1: but he's not...
0: Consistent, no, no y- You know, he's, he's not...
1: It. <laughs> it's not just... Consi- it's just he's not Bobby Evans. Right, you know no, He's not...
0: Not a lot of people are. <laughs>
1: right, he's not Brian Fry or Michael LaFrange. These really good... Right. He's not Devon Ford. These pure running back kind right. of character. He's... I think Darian Thompson's best skills are as a receiver and as a defensive right. back.
0: Um, and then you look at Sandwich, you know, again, obviously they're going to want to get a win at some point, and it's tough because on Thanksgiving you play MASH.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think their best chance to get a win is yeah. going to be in the non-playoffs, the week eight, nine, and ten games, which are all going to be against, I mean, they may—they honestly might want to play in Martha's Vineyard. So, Right.
0: Um, um, I'm sure they can get a win somewhere, but. Again, we'll we'll see what happens. Looking at Apopka at Bourne, which could be an interesting thing. Speaking of Division Seven South, you know it was a great comeback by Bourne. They just didn't have a good first half and yeah. they couldn't make it up in a 19 to 16 loss to Seekonk. You know, Bourne still does have plenty of room, to, I think, to move up here. But um, I mean, interestingly enough, if they did fall to number eight and ended up with a battle of Mashpee, that'd leave an interesting matchup between Cousins, Kendall Rose, yep. for from Mashpee, who's been out for a few weeks, and uh, Spencer Rose, who's had a tremendous season for Bourne. Um you know, with, with his uh, play on both sides of the ball. So um, interesting league matchup here. But again, we'll, we'll see what happens with
1: Bourne. Definitely. I, that would be a cool game to see Bourne versus Mashby to see how Bourne would – how each team would handle each other's style because Bourne is a team that likes to spread it out. They like to throw it. James Cahoon is very confident in his third year of starting QB. So if they do wind up facing off, I, that would be, a, I think, an exciting game to cover. This is a matchup between teams in different divisions of the South Coast Conference. Right. You know, Bourne, their loss to Seaconk means they're going to finish third in the league, I think. So, mm. uh, you know, they've they've played a Poniquet sporadically right. over the years. Uh, so, that again, that's a game that Bourne would like to win. I think it's going to be challenging. Uh, a game that I think Monomoy will, should be able to win, but I don't know if it's actually going to be enough for them to, to get into the playoffs. Uh, they are at... Keefe Tech at 7 p.m. That's, I think, at Framingham State College. Keefe Tech for a long time was part of a co-op with Marion High School. Marion closed last year or two years ago. Last year, I think. It was last year, yeah. And so now they're a completely independent team. I think they're going to join a new conference next year. They are coming off a loss to KIPP Academy, which is a a charter school in the, the middle of the state, uh, it's a nice chance for the Sharks to win their finale, but I think even with the win, they're probably not going to get into the D7 South uh, tournament.
0: Yeah, and again, I mean, a crowded Division 7, there's really not much you can do to fight yeah. in there. Seaconk does play Dighton Rehoboth in the final week, which could be a challenge, but again, I think Seaconk would still end up with more points, mm-hmm. even if Monomoy was to win and, and Seaconk was to lose that one.
1: Definitely. And then the last game uh, is St. John Paul, second at Austin Prep at 7 p.m. Uh, Austin Prep is based out of Reading, Massachusetts. Uh so this is a game for second place in the Catholic Central Small. Uh clearly Pope John Paul uh, is the bo- is the best team in that conference this year. Uh they really kind of took it to St. John Paul took it to the Lions I think. So this will be a chance for Darren katsev Mike Sackovich to get the offense back on track as they head into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's been a couple of tough some tough sledding for the last couple of weeks for for the Lions. I think they they kind of Come down a little bit mm-hmm. from from where they were before, but again, um, I, as I wrote here, cats. If I think he's going to have a good chance to break out here, it's just tough going on the road against a team that you know can hang in there. You know, Austin Prep beat Low Catholic pretty handily, whereas St. John Paul beat Low Catholic by mm-hmm. less than a score. So, um, won't be easy for the Lions, but again, they should still be in a playoff game, and I or they should still get a home playoff game. Uh, even if this one doesn't go their way cool you want to hit some non-football yeah let's do it um i wanted to mention the uh we don't get to talk about it a lot on the shows cross-country you know sure. big big meet this weekend arguably the the most popular in the state with the with the mcintyre twilight meet yep at the uh, cape cod fairgrounds in falmouth you covered this i believe a couple years yeah, ago Yeah, years ago what, you know and being there under the lights obviously is an exciting prospect and people run really fast as jim whores said but what is it about the, um, the atmosphere there that you know, just makes it different from everything else?
1: Well, it's the layout. In most cross-country races, a lot of times you might start and there'll be people like at the track cheering for you, and then you basically run off into the woods for a while and you're just by yourself with the other runners, no coaches, mm-hmm. nothing. Here, the entire course is basically contained in the fairgrounds, so there are fans set up everywhere. So you have people cheering for you for the entire 5k race. You know, the ending bit of it takes you through a a barn, I think literally a barn, and then you come down this uh, this paved road, and all of the teams have set up their tents on both sides of it. So everybody, you know, because there's three races, there's like there's four, there's freshman sophomore, JV, and then varsity. So a lot of runners are just gonna be in those tents recovering during or preparing during your race and they're all going to be cheering for you. So it's just this wall of sound that if I had ran cross country in high school, uh, my, conditioning was crap back then. <laughs> uh i would have loved a race like this i mean I, right. I can't imagine having more fun than running through a race of people cheering for you
0: right no it really is exciting speaking of his former runner but yeah. um you know the big big change this year you know it's going to split into two days now with division four and six competing friday i have
1: that right four through six yeah which is every team except barnstable it's basically like, it
0: basically turns it into a small school versus large yeah school. that's what
1: they're calling it but you know, Dy is in. Will race Friday. Sandwich Nossett, uh, Born. If they send people to Sturgis schools, you know all of the local cross country teams. I think the Vineyard is going, except Barnstable. Barnstable will go on Saturday.
0: Right, and you know the thing about this race too, um, you know, you almost wonder why there are more of these. First of all, too, you know, it's a, you know, it's really a really unique opportunity. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you look at last year, you saw. Really thrilling finish with uh, the Nasa girls, specifically yeah. winning the team title. But not only that, but um, Madagat Nobly going head-to-head with Grace Connolly, I believe, right down there. Yeah, I think so. Oh, no, was it Grace? No, no, sorry. It was a different girl. Grace Connolly was Division One. Um, I. Was this remember. girl from Littles. And she finished second overall either way. Mm-hmm. And just a really cool to see some local representation and doing really well there. And there was a big meet this past weekend, too, you know, up at Northfield Mountain, which, I, if you don't know, is... It's the most difficult course anybody's going to face maybe in their cross-country careers Mm -hmm. um, out there in western Massachusetts. But D.Y.'s Kevin Arsenault has had a great season. He finished 12th out of 211 runners in the 5K race, uh, the Peter Conway race. There were three different races at varsity races that day. He finished in 1658. So he could be the local guy to watch this weekend for D.Y., assuming he's going to compete. But in terms of dual meets, yeah, I mean – just looking at the uh, upcoming schedule, NASA hits the sandwich. You know, in the past, those teams have had nice clashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, last NASA, year, that was
1: the ACL title right. that was in NASA. This year, it's at Sandwich on right. Tuesday. So uh,
0: NASA girls in the position to pretty much do the same thing again.
1: Yeah, you know they they took care of uh, DY at home last Tuesday, and now they're looking to, to wrap up the the uh, ACL title. Their Warrior girls are still undefeated. So you know all the team that's now Izzy Nobly kind of leading the way is. They're, you know, they're they're just continuing this legacy of NASA cross country. Right.
0: So when's the race, real quickly? So again, Friday, Saturdays, the meet when does the racing begin both yes. those days?
1: So that both days it starts at five PM. That's the freshman. And then basically about every hour and 10 minutes, the next race will start. You have the sophomores. Uh, the freshmen, it's a slightly shorter race. I think it's 2.1 K right. uh or 2.7. The freshman, it bumps up to 5K. Uh, the sophomores, it bumps up to 5K. Same for the Junior Varsity, and then the Varsity, which will go at 8 p.m. Right. So
0: let's hit some soccer real quickly. Yep. Um, you know, we've had a lot of teams. Clint already, Nantucket, Nantuck, and Martha's Vineyard Sandwich. I think you're going to see a lot of teams this week battling to kind of share up, you know, a tournament spot, and then obviously after that trying to Get possibly a home game. You know, teams we're looking at, Mashby, for example, seven two and two, mm-hmm. only allowed seven goals in eleven games this year. Big credit Chris to, to Chris huston Rider, man. Yeah. Best
1: goal, maybe the best goalie they've ever had. I mean, certainly the most shutouts, right. for one goalie in that school's history. And I
0: believe with wins over Cohasset and Rockland, Mashby definitely in the postseason. I think those are two winnable games. Certainly won't be easy, but mm-hmm. um, they got to head on the road for both, So even just three points out of that, I think would be a positive step. Mm-hmm. Um, Monomoy, same thing. They had a really tough slate this week. At 7-5-2. They got to visit Martha's Vineyard, which is um, obviously one of the highest scoring teams on the Cape, Mm -hmm. or I should say in the Cape and Islands. And then they got to host Sturges West, which just knocked off Martha's Vineyard over the weekend. So definitely a tough slate for Monomoy, but if they can, again, can get a few points out of there, I think they're going to be looking good for the postseason. A couple good matchups, though, coming up, though. Sandwich at Nasa a rematch, 7 p.m. Thursday. You know, we saw We talked about it last time. Is it Sandwich? Was able to hang in there with NASA for a little bit, just came down to a few set pieces that ended up making the difference. Yep. Um I wouldn't be surprised if Sandwich can go out there and maybe even pull off a zero zero draw or one one draw. Getting a goal against NASA would be huge.
1: Yeah, I if they can't win at home, I have a hard time seeing Sandwich winning at Naset. Uh but I de- I mean certainly anything is possible. I th- I think it's more likely we're looking at another two oh three oh 0 3 win. Nasa plays very well at home.
0: Right, but I think Sandwich as a team, as we talked, I think it was last week or the week before, has a real good chance, I think, of making a playoff run. They played a I lot think so, of difficult too. competition this year and shown that they can hang in there with some of the best.
1: Yeah, and they're a lower division than Nasa. Yeah. so they... That's one team they don't have to and worry about. they got about. a playoff
0: win last year, which is yeah. huge. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that that's usually – when you can upset a team in the playoffs a year before and you come back with a lot of that same talent, mm-hmm. that's a big motivator for the next year.
1: I completely agree. Uh,
0: the girls' soccer side is certainly interesting. As we've got a really wide open field, mm-hmm. as we seem to talk about every week. You know, the Nostick girls caught my eye this week, got back in contention. 2 nothing win at Falmouth with mm-hmm. Reagan Meen and, me and Choir Rink, both scoring goals. Um you know, NASA plays DY and Sandwich this week, and then with two wins, I they, they won't clinch, but they're in really good position to clinch a postseason spot. So that's a team to really turn things around. Um, Sturgis West has an interesting slate this week. They host Nantucket and Monomoy.
1: Yeah, that's that's the league right there.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if they can win, if they can get two wins, or as we keep mentioning, maybe three points at least, mm-hmm. it's looking like they're going to go on and win the Cape and the Cape and Islands League title. Um, Alexa Bound, Cape Donio, Emma Ball all been fantastic on mm-hmm. that offense. And I think their scoring can, can really match up well. It's just a matter of handling Nantucka, which has given them fits in the past. Sure. Um, also, really big showdowns this weekend. Uh, Sturgis East and West play at 5.30 p.m. Saturday uh, at Old Townhouse. Mm-hmm. I know in years past, boys and girls teams play pretty much side by side. Yeah. They get some really good crowds for those games under the lights, and both stand bases show up pretty well for those games. So we'll see how those go.
1: Uh, over in field hockey i you know we talked about sandwich and sandwich getting 0-0 ties sandwich field hockey put up a pair of 0-0 ties at home last week that at least held off dy for a little while sandwich tied falmouth 0-0 and then tied dy uh, but even still dy is now 4-0 and 1 in league play Nossett has only played four league games The Warriors are hosting the Dolphins on Wednesday. If D.Y. wins that, that clinches the title for them. So they're really...
0: Not that that was much in doubt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's really hard to argue with a team that has literally four of the top five scorers in the league and the number one goalie. So, you know, for Nossett, Eliza Stevens has played really well. Ten goals is very impressive. Emily Kavanaugh has been a very good uh, goalkeeper for them. I just don't know how they can uh, hang with... Kayla McGaffigan, who has 25 points, 19 goals. Right. Lily Holmes, who has 20 points. You know They can sit Kayla for a half, which they did against Monomoy, and still completely control the game and win pretty easily.
0: I think the thing with sandwiches, and you have to remember, field hockey is still two divisions, mm-hmm. is that you're going to go up against really, really good Division Two teams. Yeah. And my problem, even though sandwich defense, Sarah Curry and goalie have been great, Problem is, you got to put the ball in it. You got to put yeah. pressure on the other team because whoever gets the first goal in a lot of these games is just going to sit back. Yeah. So, and you saw that with Sandwich. That's how they got bounced last year, I believe, with a one nothing loss. Mm-hmm. So, I think Sandwich has just got to pick it up a little bit on offense, maybe a little more aggressive. I know there's a lot of young players out there, but Sandwich is going to need to to get some wins. Ties won't necessarily be right. enough. To improve their playoff spot and get them a chance to make a run at things. Mm -hmm. Team I've been impressed by is Barnesville this year. Seven three and two. You know, they they play in division one obviously. They have a rematch with Dartmouth Tuesday after the teams played to a scoreless tie last weekend. But really huge credit to the Barnesville defense starting with goalie Abby Alasusi, nine shutouts this year. Yeah, that's great. And obviously those include That's out of twelve games, by the way. Right. Those include the two ties. So every win this year has been by shutout, I believe, Mm -hmm. and then the two ties. So um and then the defense has been just as great. You know, Nick Bowman filling in. We did a little story on him um, filling in there. They have a winnable game against Monomoy, and I think that should put the uh, the Red Raiders where they need to be. And But speaking of Monomoy, really mm-hmm. interesting schedule this week. They play four times this yep. week. Supposed to host Bishop Fang today. They're at Sandwich tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, obviously, those teams have played uh, – you know, Sandwiches played D.Y. to a tie. They're at Barnstable Friday, then they host Nantucket Saturday. Mm-hmm. If Monomoy can survive that little stretch there and get themselves the points they need, they should have themselves a playoff spot. Yeah. So Big week for Ifa Daly, who's been a great scorer and new coach Genesys mm-hmm. this year.
1: Definitely. So we'll wrap it up with volleyball, and then yep. uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap up the whole episode. Right. So uh, there's a few big games coming up. We got Barnstable, who is still undefeated. They still have not given up a set. They got some big games this week. They've got Medfield, which is usually a pretty strong team. They've got North Quincy, uh, and then they're at Notre Dame uh, in Hingham on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we've talked about who is really the stars for this team. Riley James, she surpassed 1,500 kills last week, which has never been done in Barnstable volleyball history, which is impressive considering that program has <laughs> produced so yeah. many state championships. It, it's interesting
0: you say that because I've talked to Turco about this before, and the reason why that doesn't happen so often, even a 1,000 kills doesn't happen often, is just because of the number of weapons Barnstable oh, has yeah. to spread out its offense. It's not concentrated around one player. It's just Riley James who's going to D1 Barnstable. At least Ferber committed to D1 What I say, Barnstable. D1 Bryant. <laughs> she plays year. for D1 Barnstable. <laughs> yes, thank you. Sorry <laughs> about that. Um, Too many Bs. Yep. Anyway, um, it, it's just an exceptional player, mm-hmm. and I, I think Turco would have no problem making that concession. Of course Ingrid Murphy's been outstanding mm-hmm. she's had a great season um and her you know James's sister Tegan James has been an outstanding setter she's just a freshman that has maybe just as much potential to grow into a player just like her older sister uh, yeah
1: I mean she's got 500 assists as a <laughs> freshman who didn't play all that much last right. year just as a bit of a comparison so born Sarah Sullivan is a senior and she didn't get her 500th assist until earlier this season right um Bourne, by the way, they're having a big fundraiser uh, at tonight's home game. Uh, If people want to check that out, Bourne, obviously, also still undefeated. Uh, I believe they're playing Wareham, I I think, Uh, and the money raised from the game is going to go to uh, the Happy Hope Factory, which produces gift baskets for uh, – they're based in Pocasset. They make gift baskets for kids with – who are like hospitalized with life-threatening or chronic illnesses. So mm-hmm. that's a fundraising project that they kind of came up with on their own. So if people right. want to go check that out, it should be a good game and, and certainly a good cause.
0: Right. Um, nice little tribute also too. you mentioned in your high school notebook this past weekend of the playground that's dedicated to yep. St. Mary's Church for Olivia Brode, mm-hmm. obviously former Barnstable volleyball player, dad of cancer, You know, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to go by there or not, but there's a nice plaque there apparently nice honoring uh, Brode and uh, mm-hmm. just nice little thing in her memory, you know? Um, but back to the volleyball side, yeah, you know, Barnsville's got a nice little stretch here at uh, at Medfield, as you mentioned. They host North Quincy, and then they're at Notre Dame Hingham on Wednesdays. Three mm-hmm. games in three days, so certainly a uh, a long stretch. But Barnsville still hasn't lost a set yet. And yeah. It would be interesting to see how long they can keep that streak going
1: for. For sure. Notre Dame especially, I mean, that's a traditionally strong D2 team. So, um, Right.
0: Um, small school volleyball, you know, a team that's really caught my eye too this year is Nantucket. Yeah. 7-3, a really young program. Mm-hmm has really put together a nice season. You know, setter Sarah Anderson, outside hitter, Malika Phillip, and Junior Libero, Anna Leary. They're among the players who have really got this team heading in the right direction mm-hmm. and, and really beating the teams they're supposed to. Um, they have a couple really tough matchups this week against the same team, Sturgis East. So they host Sturgis East at 5.30 p.m. Tuesday. Sturgis East already in the playoffs defending Cape and Islands league champions. And then they go to Hyannis on uh, noon Saturday for, for another matchup against Sturgis East. So, Hey, maybe Nantucket could sneak in there and, uh, and steal one from Sturgis East. That'd certainly be a nice sign and a, and a program victory for the program.
1: Sure. In terms of golf, last sport, we got the South Coast Conference Championship on Thursday. That's at the Bay Point Club, so we'll see what Bourne can do there. And then the Cape School... Hey, let me try that one more time. Yeah. The Cape Schoolboys Tournament is Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, at Yarmouth Port, so... Mm. Nice chance to see just the local teams all go against each other and see who comes out on top of it's that. It's getting
0: cold now. I don't know if this is the time yeah. I want to be playing <laughs> golf, but yeah, that's just how the year works every year. So uh, best of luck to those uh, to those guys and gals because there's a couple girls on who play golf around here too this weekend.
1: Definitely. So I think that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of Cape Sports Now. You can find. Uh, this episode and previous episodes at CapeCodTimes.com slash sports. now. You can also find these videos at our Facebook page. Just search for Cape Cod Times. You can download our episodes through, pod, uh, through the podcast app, through Apple and Android products. You can get sports updates from our uh, sports department Twitter feed, which is at SportsCCT. And we are also on Twitter individually. I am at Matt Goisman, C-C-T, that's M-A-T-T. G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T.
0: And I'm at Steve underscore Dardarian, last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt, have fun this week covering games.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk to you all next week.